Well, if you were awake during the prayer, then uh, you might have heard me allude to the fact that Augie will be uh, preaching today. Uh, if you weren't awake, then hopefully you're awake when I just said that just now. Um, I do want to give a little background uh, to kind of where Augie's at and let him fill in any gaps. Uh, part of that is just simply because of where Augie's at in his own journey. And this has been something that's been coming for a few years now. Uh, but Augie has been the uh, director of contemporary music here at our church for uh, six years now. And uh, as a part of that, uh, he, he's grown into this understanding of his own calling, uh, where that calling uh, is to go beyond uh, leading in the ministry of music, but to also uh, responsibilities that include preaching and teaching and uh, different kinds of pastoral responsibilities. Uh, and so in order to do that, I need to talk a little bit about what that looks like in the United Methodist Church. Before I do that, I simply want to say uh, beforehand that we're making room for all this to happen while Augie stays right here in our church. Can I get an amen on that? I don't want to, I always feel like I'm kind of leading people on when, when we're having these kinds of conversations here. But in the United Methodist Church, ordination is a long process, and that is what Augie feels like he's uh, on the journey toward. Uh, ordination, in order to be ordained, is, I'm, I'm what's called an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, which most other traditions would just call that an ordained pastor or an ordained minister. But to get there, you have to be approved by your local church, then at a district level, and then what we call a conference level. You have to be... Uh, uh, go to school and uh, get a master's degree, what we call a master of divinity, which is over 100 hours of a master's level education. Uh, for some of us, it takes longer to do that uh, than others. But uh, that's what Randa and I did uh, in the early 2000s. We went to seminary and we were, spent three years there. Uh, now they have ways where you can do that uh, primarily online. Uh, it's a, a little bit of different route that you can take and you can stay in your local setting and do that. But Augie has chosen to go in that direction. He's going to be starting school this fall and uh, taking on those responsibilities. Uh, but there's another uh, area of that that's important to note, and that is in the Methodist church, uh, you can't just go and say, hey, I want to be a pastor. I am a pastor. Uh, you have to have uh, the church and representatives from the church have to agree with you on that, and, and the bishop himself has to give you uh, the credentials to do that. And so we had our annual conference this last week, and at that annual conference, Augie was recognized as one of those persons uh, who uh, received the credentialing to be what we call a licensed local pastor. That's worthy of an applause. And uh, what that means is he has gone through uh, what we call license to preach school, and he is entering into uh, a season of his life where he's learning to take more and more of those on. So what that means is uh, you'll hear him preach from time to time. Uh, he still won't let me lead and play the guitar, uh, but I'll let him preach. I'm still working on him on that. Uh, I haven't passed any of the tests yet. Uh, now I'm just playing. I like to stay in my lane. Uh, for the most part. Uh, so, but that's just uh, something you just need to know about him and about where he's at, um, about who he is, uh, and about Holly, his wife, and their daughter, Eleanor, and uh, their forthcoming daughter, Olivia. Uh, just where they're at in life, they need our prayers, they need our love, they need our support. Uh, so would you just continue to be thinking and praying about them as they uh, are, are entering into this season of their life. I think it's fascinating. We're in a series called God in the Workplace. Part of that is discovering and living out your call. Well, you're seeing that right here on stage. You're seeing somebody who continues to discover and live out that call. 
And so uh, I want to pray over Augie, uh, and I'm going to shut up so we can give him a time uh, to talk. But let's pray over him, and uh, then we'll turn it over to you. Lord, I just pray over Augie. Just pray you bless him and keep him, Lord. Um, I know this has been a long week for him and so many things, but would you just empower him with your Holy Spirit, uh, give him words to speak, and give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, like Bailey said, I've been uh, walking through this process for some time now, and what I didn't realize when I first, uh, when we first started having these conversations, probably three or four years ago, um, when Bailey got really excited, I, I didn't really get it, but now I do. He gets a few more Sundays off a year, so that's <laughs> that's kind of how that plays out in his life. No, uh, he's been very gracious to, to uh, work with me and in a lot of ways hold my hand through the process of um, deliver, coming up with and, and, and delivering what is a sermon, right? Which is something that is very unnatural to me. So I want to just take a moment to express my gratitude to you and this congregation for the support and the prayers uh, and just the, the, the kind words of encouragement and, and being very gracious in moments when you didn't have to be probably over the last six years, not just in my uh, time here as uh, working in music ministry, but also in the handful of times that I've had the opportunity to preach in this setting. Um, it's, it's really humbling to realize that um, these people that I, I think I met for the first time in like 2011, I think it was Easter 2011, the first time I led worship here as a, as a fill-in guy. Um, that these people have, have become my church family, my family, and uh, the, the, the support system that has, in a lot of ways, uh, raised me up and empowered me to walk into this calling. So thank you from the deepest part of my heart. Uh, thank you. I want to also uh, say happy birthday. Um, that doesn't make sense. That's okay. Today in the classical church calendar is Pentecost. So that is, as, as we've all read the story, that's the moment that God bestows the Holy Spirit onto the apostles, and also the moment that the apostles become empowered to go out and to preach and to teach the Word. And as I say that, I'm feeling like, all right, I can do this, I can do this, because it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And so today, it's, let me say it one time, it's terrifying. Today is Pentecost, and so happy birthday, church. Happy birthday, because today is the day that, um, for all intents and purposes, the church began as we know it. So we recognize this as a launching point and the beginning of the ministry of the apostles teaching and preaching on the gospel. So we continue today in our series, God in the Workplace, and I think this is our seventh week in this series, and we'll go one more at least. And I want to encourage you to go to our website, go to the podcast, and spend some time if you've missed any weeks Spend some time listening to the previous sermons. There's a lot of good stuff in there, lots of good content, lots of good um, information for you to absorb and to pray through and to work through in your lives. But also just want to say, this is a kind of series that builds on itself. And so it's, it's increasingly more important that if you've missed a week to go back and to take a look at it. Bailey has uh, done us the service of adding in here on this inside sheet of your inside page of your bulletin. There says sermon notes. He's added a recap of the series. So if right now you're kind of thinking, well, did I miss any? You can go there and look and see if those seem familiar to you or not and uh, decide which ones you need to go back 
and listen to. So please go back and listen to those. And there's a couple of reasons why uh, Bailey's been talking about that, and I'm saying this now. And, and one of those is because one of the difficulties with this series and this kind of idea is that we're trying to take this very big abstract, abstract, abstract concept of how we enter into the work God is calling us to in our workplace, right? How we find God and how we experience God and how we bring God to those that we find in our workplace into our everyday lives. And that's, that's, that's a very, sometimes can be a difficult thing to kind of draw a straight line from that to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? That can be a difficult thing. So there's a lot of good content in there on how to do that and um, helps us to see how God is working in and through us at our work. So uh, throughout this series, we've talked about work and we've talked about calling. We've talked about how those two things are kind of the same at times and how those things can be separate. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on that this morning. Uh, we're going to look at how these two things can be different, but also how these two spheres of our lives can be connected and how they really do connect in a lot of ways. So the, the, the first thing I want to do is we're going to, we're, I'm going to use words um, of occupation or work interchangeably. Those are kind of the same thing. And also vocation or calling interchangeably. And so we're going to look at the idea of our occupation versus our vocation or our work versus our calling, how these two things operate together and separately. The, ro- the realm of our work or our occupation doesn't always perfectly coincide with our calling or our vocation. And we've had videos throughout the course of this series, except for this week, the one for this week we've pushed, because we're going to extend the series another week, we've pushed the next week. Uh, we've had videos every week of this series that have been the people of our congregation talking about how they experience God in their work and how they see their calling manifested in their work. And that's been a great blessing to me. It's been a great blessing to us to get to, to see that and to understand that and to see that lived out in other people's lives and to, to hear those words and those stories. These videos are a great reminder. <laughs> They're a great reminder that the ministry that we're all called to, each and every one of us, is being done in the most mundane and everyday type of circumstances. God's calling you, your vocation, into his kingdom work. God's calling you, your vocation, into his kingdom work. And for some of you, the work or the job that you go to Monday through Friday, or it might just, might, you might have a job that's Monday through Monday, right? The work that you go through Monday through Friday, or however often you go, is a place that you are being led by God to enter into that calling. For others, these two spheres couldn't be further apart. They couldn't be any more different, our vocation and our occupation. But I would, I, would, I would guess that for most of us, our lives fall somewhere in the middle. Sometimes those two spheres interact with each other, and we see a straight line between those two things. And so before we jump into what a calling is and what a vocation is, we're going to talk about those two things separately and, and first, and then we'll connect them together. I, I, want, I want to say we have to be careful about how we talk about calling. Uh, a lot of times in our world and in our culture, uh, we use the term calling very loosely. For instance, I very much felt called to have a donut this morning when I got to church. Amen? Amen? 
Amen. We are alive. Amen? Amen. Uh, you may, at this moment, feel called to go downstairs to the Sunday school class and get you a slice of pie. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Or you may just feel called to stay here, and that's okay. But you see, a lot of times we use this word uh, calling, this term calling very loosely, and what happens when we, when we use a word like that and we apply it to, to everything, it really becomes nothing. It loses its weight, it loses its value, and it kind of just floats away. And so I want to be careful about how we talk about calling and how we look at calling, and so we're going to uh, break that down a little bit. So calling can be some things. Calling can not be other things. And one of the things, or some of the things that a calling is, is something that God has given you gifts for. Something that God has given you gifts for. And we just talked about. Today we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is this moment where we receive the Holy Spirit, but more importantly, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and to do the kingdom work that we've been called to. And the way that that manifests in my life, the way that that's uh, worked in my life is through music. Music is something that's always been there. I grew up in a home filled with music. Every time my family gathered together, which was often, and there were a lot of us, um, we always played music together. Music is, is, is natural to me. It's a part of who I am. It's part of the fabric of my being. And God has used that. He has blessed me with, with gifts for music and, and, and desire to play music. And he's used that as a part of my calling. So calling can be something and usually is something that God has given you gifts for. Calling usually brings you joy or satisfies some kind of deep desire within you. Calling can, can usher you into a space of holiness and righteousness. And when you step into this, when you, step, when you lean into your calling and are faithful to your calling, it tends to, to, to pull you into this place of holiness and righteousness. Calling does not necessarily or even regularly require you to step away from the work you do, the work that you are already doing, your occupation, right? Calling does not necessarily or regularly require you to step away from your occupation to fulfill your calling. We look... Uh, we, we read in the scriptures that Paul was a tent maker, right? This is what he did as an occupation. And then, oh, by the way, he had this little side job of being one of the most prolific teachers and preachers of the gospel, right? Calling does not always mean we have to leave our occupation. Calling is something, I'll take a breath before I say this because I'm walking into this and this is a, a scary thought. Calling is something you likely never retire from. Calling is something you likely never retire from. Very different from our occupations. Occupations is something that we enter into and then at some point we leave. We depart from that. We retire from that. We leave that. Calling is something we almost never retire from. A calling is rooted in our identity in Christ as sons and daughters of the living God. Unlike our occupation, which at its worst can be tightly tied to our identity. A calling is and should be directly tied to our identity, not in the sense of how effective we are, not in the, not, not in the sense of how effective we are, not in the sense of, oh, so many people are showing up to hear Bailey preach at next Sunday, right? Not in that sense. Calling is tied 
to your identity in the sense that you've been made. <laughs> you've been given the gifts. You've been given the talents. You've been given the things that make you able to fulfill this calling. It is literally the fabric of who we're made to be. My confession to you is uh, that I've struggled with identifying this calling in my own life. And I've entered into some good and some difficult and some rather nebulous detours in my life of discerning this calling. It's, It's a process that you must pray through and work through as you go through that discernment. And as most of you know a little bit about my story, in 2010, I was a a student at South Plains College in commercial music, and my kind of my goal in life as a, as a younger man, I felt called to music ministry and even to the priesthood at one point. Uh, I grew up Catholic, and I felt called to the priesthood, and, and I'd kind of decided that I wanted to do what my brother back there, Jake, is doing, and I wanted to mix sound for a living. I thought that that was the coolest thing. It was so much fun. I got to play with all these cool toys, and and I loved music, and I kind of thought, yeah, I might not be good enough to make it as a professional musician, but I could definitely turn knobs. That I can do. And so I was going to school for this, and as, as, as you, many of you have heard this story. I was going to school for this, and my dad passed away unexpectedly. Dad was a farmer in Hill County, and so he passed away in April. That meant everything was ready. All that had to be done was we had to start planting soon. So my brother and I um, entered into this detour, right? And we decided to go home and to run the family farm. And it was a good thing. I think it was something that had to be done. We did it to, to take care of the farm, for one, to take care of my mom, who re- really needed us more in more ways than just as her hired help, right? She needed us there to be with her. And so th- this was a good detour. But we entered into this. And, and after a while of doing this, I started to feel like, okay, you know, I can do this. Farming is good enough. It can be comfortable. It can, it can be fulfilling. It can be all these things that I felt that I needed it to be. And I started to become okay with the idea of, I'm a farmer. That's who God has made me to be. Throughout this process, um, I had continued to play and to, to, to lead worship at churches and to, to work in music ministry. And uh, somewhere along the way, I got a call uh, one Monday morning, and it was Mel Kincaid, my predecessor here. I'd filled in here a handful of times, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be gone next week. Would you mind filling in for me? I said, sure. I'd love to do that. It's always fun uh, playing with, uh, I call Steve my godfather of guitar, playing with Steve and all these other wonderful musicians. I said, sure, I'd love to do that. So I came, and I filled in that Sunday and went home. Next morning, I woke up, and I had another call from Mel. And Mel said, I've accepted a job elsewhere. Would you be interested in working at FUMC in an interim capacity while we find someone else to do the job? I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And Bailey said, oh, it'll take four to six weeks. Well, six months later, they still hadn't hired anybody, and I think I finally wore them down enough. They said, this guy's already here. Let's just, let's just let him keep doing it. And as a matter of fact, I was doing the math earlier, and last Sunday, June 2nd, would have been the beginning of the seventh year, the first time that I I led worship here, Um, and never stopped, I should say. 
Um, so that, that, was, that was kind of a turning point in my life. We were, we were at a place with the farm, my, both my brother and I, where we were starting to, to feel like this is not who we are, neither of us. We're both musicians, for better or for worse, mostly for worse. But this is not who we are, and it's, you know, we're trying to figure out what's next, and, and God opens these doors. And here's the thing, folks. God has a way of, of doing this. I didn't know that answering the phone and saying, sure, I'd love to do that was essentially me saying to God, sure, blow it all up. Let's start over. Let's go back. Because that's what happened. A few months later, they offer me the job. My wife and I pray over this. Because you see, (laughs) what happens in these detours sometimes is that you begin to believe this lie that you're no longer the person that you knew God made you to be. Or maybe you've never fully seen, maybe you've never fully discerned the gifts that God has given you and where he's calling you. But I started to believe that I wasn't the kind of person that God could use for ministry anymore. I was just a farmer. I began to believe that lie, and and when I said, sure, I'd love to help out, that was a green light for God to start to clear the stuff out of the way that he needed to clear in order for me to step into this calling. And and it can be very painful. It would have been easy for me to stay in farming and and may have been good. I don't know. It, It may have been, it would have been easy to call the occupation that I found myself in at that moment, which was farming, my vocation. Let me say that again. It may have been easy for me to call my occupation at the time my vocation, (laughs) but God had other plans and was working in and through my life and in and through the lives of others to affect, to change my life and to lead me into this calling. Farming can be a great calling, can be a great calling. It can be a great vocation. (laughs) Just wasn't mine. And so it, it was important that God would blow all that stuff up and create a path for me to enter and to step into this calling because there are a few things that occupation can be and a few things that occupation shouldn't be. One of the things that an occupation is usually is something that God has given you gifts to help you do well, right? We, we, we all have gifts and talents that we use towards our calling, but also a lot of times those gifts and talents tend to translate into the occupations that we find ourselves in. And that's a good and holy thing. Occupation can bring you joy and can satisfy some deep desire within you, but it doesn't always do that. More often than not, when we dig too, into our occupation too much, when we tie our identity too much to our occupation, it tends to do the opposite. Occupation can call you to a place of holiness, but it can also lead you to a place of brokenness and emptiness. Now here's something that can happen with both calling or vocation and work and occupation. Both of those can leave you empty. Both of those can leave you worn out and with nothing left to give. 
You must find a way to replenish your body, your mind, and most importantly, your spirit. In the next few weeks, we're going to enter into a series on rest, which I think is appropriate for the summer. We're going to spend some more time talking about how do we go about creating margin, creating, creating space for us to replenish our souls, to replenish our body, to replenish our mind. And my confession to you is that I stink at it. I stink at that. I have conditioned myself working full-time, going to school full-time, having a kid. I've conditioned myself to feel that if I'm not doing five things at once, I'm being lazy. And there's something broken about that. And I would venture to say that many of us probably feel the same way in our own lives. So I look forward to hearing what Bailey has to say about rest because I need to hear all about how we go about that. Occupation usually, as we talked about before, is something that you will retire from. Again, our identity does not need to be tightly wound to our occupation. Timothy Keller, a, a pastor and author and, and a teacher that many of you know and have heard of, says this about our work. You will not have a meaningful life without work, but you will lose yourself if you say work is the meaning of your life. Our work is not our vocation. Our occupation is not our calling, usually. And like I talked about before, I entered into this detour called farming, and it was okay. Detours can be okay. Sometimes they can be missteps, they can be wanderings, um, they can be things that we do for a season. But God is bigger than these things. God is bigger than our missteps. God is bigger than our wanderings. God is faster than our running from his call. Amen. And if we force him, he will go like myself and he will drag us from wherever we are and pull us back to where he's leading us. See, the, the master in, in the passage you read from Matthew earlier, the master in the story he, he didn't just dole out the same amount of talents to everybody, right? It wasn't like a fair, everybody gets fair stuff here. We all get the same, and we're going to go see what happens. He gave out talents based on their ability. And that's how our, the gifts that we are given to fulfill our calling work as well. And so we've talked about what calling is. We've talked about what work is, our occupation is. But even whenever uh, we, we're, we're trying to discern our calling, there are things that can happen that, that cause this thing called calling to get perverted, to get turned around. One of those just mentioned is that we tend to run from these callings. I did that for a long time. We don't use the gifts that we've been given, or we don't use the gifts that we've been given in the way that God has intended in our lives. We run from these callings. Another thing that we do is that we compare our talents to the talents of others. Amen? We compare what we've been given to what they've been given. We say, man, look how much better my stuff is than their stuff. Or we say, 
man, look how much better they have it than we have it. We tend to compare these things that we've been blessed with. And my confession is that I work at this place, I look at these preachers that I'm surrounded by, and I say, man, I don't have what they have. I don't have the gifts of oratory that they have. I don't have the intellect that they have. I don't have the education that they have. I don't have the things that I need to have in order to be capable of doing what they do. But it's okay. Through the process of discernment, through the process of prayer, through the process of leaning into where we're being called, we'll be given the gifts that we need, the gifts that we are able to use to fulfill the calling God has in our lives. And the last thing is we begin to believe the lie that we don't deserve what we've been given. I believe, I believe the lie that I was no longer the person God had made me to be. I was a farmer, which is a good and holy thing. But it's not where I was being called. We, get, we begin to believe the lie that we don't deserve what we've been given, that we've done too many bad things, that we don't know enough about what we're supposed to be doing. Or a lot of times this manifests itself in that God has already given me so much in, in, in our comfort. Well, you know, I've got a good thing going, and I know that I feel this call over here, but we'll just let someone else handle that because I've got a good thing going. My life is comfortable. My life is exactly how I'd like it. We feel like we don't deserve the talents that God has given us. So I want to leave you with this. God may be calling you into something new, or he may be calling you to renew your devotion to a calling you've already entered into. Or you may feel like you missed your calling. That's okay. Ask God for guidance and lots and lots of courage in discerning and living into the the calling that God has placed on your life. The difference between your occupation and your vocation that you would be able to discern those things. This isn't easy work and we're not going to figure it out this morning. We're not going to figure it out before this series is over. This is work that we enter into, that we pray through, and that through the Holy Spirit, being empowered through the Holy Spirit, we discern. So I encourage you to enter into this prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you deeper into an understanding of how God is calling you to invest yourself deeper into your calling, deeper into your vocation, regardless of how that may or may not connect to the work that you're already doing. And we pray that God would lead us to a place of understanding who he's made us to be. Let's pray.